Thanks for joining us for worship. Due to the current COVID-19 measures, we're not able to gather in person. However, our communities need your support more than ever, and every offering is a blessed gift. Did you know that you can specify if you'd like your offering used for our local missions and services that go directly to help those in our community that need it the most? We'd like to thank each and every one of you whether you've donated time or treasure to keep our churches going through the current COVID-19 measures. If you'd like to send an offering, you can send it to treasurer at graceunitedhanover.ca or mail 310 12th Street, Hanover, Ontario, Canada, N4N1V6. Good morning and welcome to Worship with Grace United Church in Hanover, Ontario. We are so glad that you are here with us today and hope that you will find this service meaningful in your faith journey. My name is Sarah Brewer and I'm delighted to be here in ministry with Grace while Reverend McCall is on leave to support the wider United Church over the coming few months. Beyond our services of worship, there is a lot that goes on at Grace United Church each week, even during a pandemic. We have ukulele classes for children, book studies for adults, a craft group that meets in the park, coffee hour on Zoom after worship, and this week on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., I'll be hosting a conversation on Zoom for those who want to dig a little deeper into this morning's theme of lament. We'll look at a few more examples from the Bible, watch a short video, and even try writing our own laments to God. If you'd like to sing, sign up to receive our church email with the weekly announcements about these other programs, you can use the email address below to reach us and add your name to our distribution list. For now though, let us return to this time of worship. 185 years ago this week, on August 9, 1836, Treaty 45 and a half was signed between the Indigenous people who had lived in and cared for the land, water, plants, animals, birds, fish, and people of this area for thousands of years, and the newcomers from Europe. Indigenous people entered into that agreement with trust and hope, believing there was a way we could live peacefully together in the land. Yet within 20 years, the newcomers from Europe had already broken the promises made in Treaty 45 and a half through the establishment of Treaty 72 in 1854. As a descendant of people who were once European newcomers in this area, I acknowledge that we have continued to erode trust through such harmful practices as the residential school system. Yet our mistakes are not only of the past. Still today there are Indigenous communities without safe water. Indigenous education is underfunded. Indigenous children are apprehended more often. Indigenous women and children are missing and murdered, to name just a few of the many injustices. And so we pause as we begin our service today to acknowledge that this is not how we want things to be, and to recommit ourselves to being people who will seek to care for the land, the water, plants, animals, birds, fish, and people of this area that many of us call home. May our actions today guide us towards peace for our children and our children's children. May it be so. May the light of Christ 
shine brightly in our lives and all around us. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Although we are apart, we are united in this time of praise and thanksgiving. Let us glorify the name of our loving God. Welcome. Welcome to God's peace. In this time, may we put aside our urgency and anxiety and resist the distractions of our fear. Let us open ourselves to receive the healing of our caring God. Welcome. Welcome to God's love. At the height of our joy or the depths of our despair, in the sunshine of our hope and the shadows of our shame, God's love seeks us out. Let us experience how we are always made welcome by our inclusive God. Let us pray. Holy and mysterious God, we come to you with many questions and seeking answers for our world right now. Why me? Why now? How long? What next? We are worried. We are afraid for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, and for our hurting and divided world. Help us to truly feel your presence and your promise of hope in a flash of color as we go for a walk and notice a roughly painted stone on the side of a path with a child's handwriting that says, be safe, stay strong, give peace a chance. You are not alone. A simple reminder of your grace, loving God, for this day and every day. Amen. Good morning. Our minute permission this morning is titled, Center's Generosity Inspires Others to Be Generous Too. On July the 11th, thousands of Cubans took to the streets of Havana and elsewhere in the country to what the CBC called some of the largest displays of anti-government sentiment in decades. 11 million people live in Cuba. By mid-July, Reuters report the country has a staggering average of nearly 4,000 confirmed COVID-19 cases per million res residents daily nine times higher than the world's average and more than any other country in the Americans for its size. As the Delta variant swept through the, the country, shortages of food and medical, medical supplies stirred protesters to take to the streets, demanding as, access to basic necessities and human rights. It also prompted one mission and service partner to open its doors when hospitals in Cuba were pushed to capacity. The Christian Center for Reflection and Dialogue, Cuba, a mission and service partner, moved quickly to convert its building to help. Today, the building is being used as a field hospital and isolation center for children and their families who have been exposed to the virus, as well as the vaccine center to get doses administrated as widely as possible. The generous, generosity is inspiring others to be generous too. Local business owners and the public have begun to donate food, transportation, masks, and more. In recent days, we have welcomed representatives of different businesses in the city to our institution with special contributions. Cake, ice cream, jams, and graphic prints with hopeful message, messages, said the center in a report, calling the groundswell of kindness gratifying. 
Throughout the pandemic, your support through the Mission Service has been there to provide vital personal protective equipment, shelter, and food for people in Canada and in the world when they need it most. Now is also providing life-saving vaccines. Thank you for all the ways you are making a difference. God bless. The scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 13. Be still, my soul, for God is on your side. God is on your side. How long, O God, will you utterly forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I suffer anguish in my soul and be so grieved in my heart day and night? How How long shall my enemy triumph over me? Be still, my soul, for God is on your side. God is on your side. Look at me and answer me, O God, my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I fall asleep in death, lest my enemies claim to have prevailed against me, lest my foes rejoice in the downfall. But my trust is in your mercy. Let my heart be joyful in your salvation. I will sing to you, O God, because you have dealt so lovingly with me. I will praise your name, O God, most high. Be still, my soul, for God is on your side. God is on your side. And the second reading is from Luke 18, uh, verses 1 to 8. And it's from the New International Version. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, ever thought I don't fear God or can what people think or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Thank God for these words. Amen. Let us pray. Loving and beloved God, sometimes the stories of our faith tradition surprise us. They challenge our assumptions of what it means to be faithful people and remind us that your greatness surpasses our ability to fathom. So we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to the wisdom of your word for us today. May all of our thoughts and feelings about these texts, particularly the words I will share now, be a faithful reflection of your message for us. Amen. Have you ever heard the children's story, Alexander, and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Written by Judith Viorst in 1972, this story moves from the moment when Alexander wakes up and notices that the bubblegum he'd been chewing before bed was now stuck in his hair through a series of challenges. 
dropping his favorite sweater in the sink, not getting the prize in the cereal box, getting stuck in the middle seat while carpooling to school, his teacher not understanding his picture and asking him to sing quieter, finding out at recess that his best friend didn't want to be his best friend anymore, his mother forgetting to include dessert with his lunch, having to go to the dentist and finding out he has a cavity after school, the elevator door closing on his foot, a brother pushing him into a mud puddle, the other brother calling him a crybaby, his mom getting mad, not being able to get the shoes he wants in his size, his dad not wanting him to touch things in the office, his mom cooking lima beans for supper, his bathwater being too hot, his marble falling down the drain, having to wear the pajamas he doesn't like, biting his tongue, his nightlight burning out, and to cap it all off, the cat doesn't want to sleep with him at the end of the day. While many children's books come and go, I wonder if the reason this one is still with us 50 years later has to do with the fact that we can all relate to Alexander. Our circumstances may vary from his, yet people can relate to all those hard feelings of frustration, confusion, disappointment, loneliness, anger, shame, and even lethargy. In my sermon last week, I reflected a bit on those feelings in relation to the pandemic. But COVID isn't the only horrible, terrible, no good, very bad thing happening in our lives today. You may be living with another health concern. You may be grieving the death of a friend or family member. You may be aging and noticing the things you can't do like you used to. You may be farming and impacted by not enough rain followed by too much rain so that you're struggling now to get things harvested. You may be dealing with a conflict at work, with friends, or in your family. You may be struggling to make ends meet financially. And those are just some of the personal challenges we all face. Collectively, we have also been grieving the reality of mass graves being uncovered around the sites of former residential schools. We've seen a rise in Islamophobia in our province, with a child left orphaned after someone drove into his family, and a mosque later being vandalized. In the first half of June this year, Ottawa police reported a 33% rise in hate crimes in their city during the first half of 2021. In addition to issues of race and religion, hate crimes against the LGBTQ2SPIA community have also been increasing significantly in recent years. And according to the National Issues Report on Climate Change released by the Government of Canada last year, last month, climate change is having profound impacts on communities of all sizes, with floods, forest fires, drought, and thawing permafrost becoming more frequent. If we are paying attention to our lives and the lives of those around us, we will notice a lot of pain and suffering. Absolutely, it's not all pain and suffering. And next week, we will talk about gratitude. But too often, our culture tells us, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And we begin to believe that the best thing we can do is pretend that everything is all right. 
when our hearts absolutely know that that is not true. Fortunately, our faith tradition offers us a resource in those times when our hearts are crying out in pain. It's the biblical practice of lament. Lament is the practice of being brutally honest with ourselves and God about how we feel, about the pain in our lives and in the world. We find lament in many places in the Bible, including one third of the book of Psalms, virtually all the book of Lamentations and the book of Job, parts of the works of most prophets, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and many of the epistles in the New Testament. The psalm that was read today would be considered one of the psalms of lament, and you could easily say that the widow who keeps knocking on the judge's door demanding justice is also offering a lament. Lamenters in the Bible pray for vengeance on their enemies, often in very graphic ways. They tell God that they are devastated and wish they could die. They complain about all the ways in which God is failing to take care of the world as it needs to be. They take it all to God in prayer. On the surface, lament seems like the very opposite of faith. It's complaining to and about God after all. Yet in many ways, it is perhaps the most profound expression of faith that there is. When we lament to God, we invite God to come into the heart of our pain. We share with God the raw truth of how we are. We trust God with the real us, even if that isn't pretty or polished or put together in any way. And even though it's not easy and it's seldom pretty, it does help us on our spiritual journey in several very important ways. First, it allows us to acknowledge our pain. When we are hurting, our culture often tells us to keep it in, especially if the hurt doesn't pass quickly. In the immediate aftermath of a crisis or loss, most people are able to accept that those involved are stunned and grieving and maybe even angry. But as the weeks and the months go on, we start to worry that our friends and loved ones are going to get tired of our grief, our sadness, our worries, our pain, our anger. Yet the difficult emotions and challenges of life don't usually have a quick fix. Genuine lament invites us to experience our pain fully and to allow it to touch our souls. It gives us space to ask what wisdom this pain might have to offer us. It requires us to own our struggle rather than hide from it or minimize it. Regardless of whether we decide to share our lament with trusted loved ones, we can always take our lament to God. And doing so will not damage or strain that relationship. In fact, it might deepen it in ways we cannot yet imagine. Second, it allows us to offer genuine, empathetic solidarity to others. When we fail to lament the injustices and pain of the world, we say to the sufferers, you don't matter. Saying nothing or minimizing the injury feels to the person who has been hurt like abandonment. If we can learn to lament together in community about the brokenness of our world, both past and present, personal and corporate, then we can begin to come together in solidarity to struggle towards a different future. 
Learning to lament is a key skill, I think, on our journey towards reconciliation with Indigenous people. Until we can lament together and look the horror in the face, we cannot begin to heal. Third, it opens up possibilities for transformation and change. When we look at things as they really are in all their painful messiness, then we can begin to discern where change might be possible. Psychotherapist Miriam Greenspan in her book Healing Through the Dark Emotions talks about the alchemy of painful emotions, like grief, fear, and despair, whereby fully feeling and experiencing our pain can help us open up space for gratitude, faith, and joy. Often people argue that we shouldn't lament because they are afraid we will remain stuck there, wallowing in pain and suffering. Yet on the contrary, acknowledging pain and suffering helps us to move forward authentically. It's not that we don't forgive those who have hurt us. It's not that we don't let go of suffering. But first, we must attend to the pain. Otherwise, the letting go is more likely to be denial or avoidance than true release. I see this amazing alchemy of painful emotions beautifully rendered in this video of Mani Chakabi that the Affirming Committee asked me to find an opportunity to share with you this month. As she talks about what it means to her to be two-spirited, you can hear how she claims her identity while acknowledging and honoring the pain of her experience much of which is caused by the ways in which white settler society failed to appreciate the rich history of two-spirited people in her Cree Ojibwe culture. Let's watch that video together now. Manish uh, My name is Manish When I was born, and I was about four years old, my grandmother told me I, I, I was a two-spirit child. I was a two-spirit child and that I had I was going to have a hard life when I grew up. But I didn't know what that meant. I never know what two-spirit meant, just even that word, until I got older and older. But I knew I was different. And uh, when they tried to dress me up in little girl clothes, I couldn't stand the little girl clothes. Nobody told me that. I just didn't want to be one of those people. Once I got older and I understood what two-spirit people was, I thought to myself, holy cow, how am I going to ever overcome that? I was about 10 years old when I discovered my own sexuality. I liked girls. But then when I, I was about 16 when I asked, just before I was 16, I asked my grandmother, what did she mean by Nija Jijak? And that's two-spirit. That two-spirit itself didn't come till later for me. But Nisha Jijak came early, because I know what that meant. So I asked my grandmother, what, that, what does that mean for me? And she told me, oh, my granddaughter, I think you're going to have a hard life. I don't know what's going to happen to you, she said. You're, because of your life, because of who you are, people are so different now. Things are happening, things are coming in the air. You could see that, she said. And you're gonna to have to try all kinds of churches if you want, she says, if you wanna do that, just to see where you fit in. If you don't fit in any of them, at least you tried. <clears throat> and she said, and it won't hurt you to go there. If you go to church once, just 
discover something, take one line or two lines from it and learn from it, she said. The God's in here, she lives inside of you. Or he lives inside of you, she said. And that's who you are, she said. You have two of them that lives inside of you, a male side and a female side, and you're going to have a hard life, and you have to listen to your heart and your mind and your tummy. When all that comes together, the three roads is your journey, she said. You're born with two spirits, uh, and you will know when you're born with that because you'll know when you're born, when you'll know you're different. That's when you know who you really are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you can do is ignore it and not pay attention to it. Or you can just start accepting that part of you and start learning from it. And then being two spirit, it, it's, we're born that way. I mean, way back, like my grandmother used to say, way back seven generations after seven generations, she's been told that two spirit people exist with the First Nations people and they did not say, oh, there you two, you're living together, shame on you. They didn't say that, she said they loved each other. Mm -hmm. And the rules of two-spirit people had rules. Their rules was never to let the fire go out in the village. And then the other, the other one was uh, to learn things from the other elders. El elders would take on take on the two-spirit person and teach them how to be in this, what, what they should learn about which one is going to be a medicine person, which one is going to be a healer, which one was going to be the one, the visionary person, and then which one was going to be the one that's bringing messages from the great spirit when they go out and they're back to mother's womb and stuff like that. And also just those were the our jobs. We were supposed to learn everything what other people were learning. Mm -hmm. And our duties was to do those things. And then they were regarded, you know, very highly before. They were they were they they were accepted as special people with gifts. Mm -hmm. And they didn't make fun of them. Because some of them would be the parents of the the kids that was didn't have no parents. So my message to all the two-spirit people or the ones that feel like they are, your job is to look after yourself and then look after other people. And do not let anybody tell you different. I don't let anybody tell me that anymore. I don't let anybody tell me I'm proud of who I am. I don't care what they think of me. Uh, no million dollars is going to convince me I'm not a two-spirit person. So this week, I want to invite you to offer a psalm of lament of your own. You might choose to write or speak it or offer it silently to God. Begin by talking with God about your hurt. What are you struggling with right now? Where is there pain in your life? If you were to knock on God's door in the middle of the night like the widow in our gospel lesson pounds on the judge's door, what justice would you demand? Be honest and frank with God. Use colorful language if that is how you talk. 
Use gestures if words fail you. We don't have to protect God's feelings. God wants to be in relationship with all of us, including the parts that rage at injustice, that feel shame or despair, that question or doubt, that wonder if there will ever be an end to the weeping, that are terrified that our God has abandoned us. Then ask God for what you need. What do you long for in the situation you are lamenting about? What would help you to carry on in faith? Finally, stop and listen. Is there a response from God? Is there anything you can affirm about God as a result of your lament? Biblical Psalms of Lament often finish with praising God, but I sometimes wonder if they were actually written over many days or weeks or months. Sometimes we need to pray about our pain before we can gradually begin to see what we need from God, and finally, having felt met by God in the place of our deepest struggle, affirm our trust. So if all you can do this week is tell God honestly what's wrong, go with that. If you hear words of comfort or can offer an affirmation of faith in in God, embrace that as well. But if you don't hear those things right away, keep talking to God. There is no right or wrong way to lament, so go where your heart leads you. As an example, I'd like to end today with a psalm of lament that the World Council of Churches offered around this time, around the time of the one-year anniversary of COVID. It picks up on some of the language in our biblical psalm from this morning. God, you see and all and you know all. Your eyes are upon us, your children, in this our time of pain and suffering. We affirm and recognize that you, our God, have been and continue to be present with us throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Yet over this past year, we have witnessed and experienced intense anguish, physical and mental illness, hunger and starvation, rising unemployment and the broadening of social inequities, and the abuse of the most vulnerable by the powerful. We cry out for relief and for justice, and we ask, how long, O Lord? Will you forget us forever? How long will you hide your face from us? How long must we have sorrow in our hearts all day? As we cry out to you for an answer, with faith we declare that our trust and confidence is in you. In our lament, may we not lose hope, but even in the darkest night, may we still be able to sing unto you a new song because you, God, have done, dealt bountifully with us. Glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Our prayers as a community encompass not just our lament, but also our gratitude and our concern for others. So we continue to pray together. Loving Creator, we celebrate your creative presence working in us and throughout the world. We rejoice in all the ways in which our lives are touched by beauty and joy, love and laughter, and we are glad when we are able to share those gifts with others. We pray this day for and with everyone who is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, for whatever reason, remembering especially 
all who are coping with health concerns for themselves or a loved one, all who are grieving the death of a friend or family member, all who are living with the reality that they cannot do what they used to be able to do because of aging or other factors, all who are farming, especially those who are dealing with adverse weather conditions, all who are dealing with conflict at work with friends or with family, all who are struggling to make ends meet, all who are in the process of coming out to family or friends about their sexual orientation, gender identity, or any part of who they are that feels fragile and tender, and all others who feel like they have reached the end of their own strength and need your deep love to help them keep going. We pause now in a moment of silence to add the prayers that are on our own hearts this day. Sending one, help us also to know how we might be part of your answer to the prayers of others, offering kindness and compassion to all those we meet along life's way this week. We pray this today as followers of Jesus who seek to follow his teachings in our lives, joining together now in the great words of prayer that he taught us to say, Our Creator, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, throughout our time of today, together today, we've followed the biblical form of lament. In our call to worship, our opening prayer and our first hymn, we turn towards God. In our Bible story, the psalm and my sermon, we named our complaints, while also affirming our trust in God. In our prayers of the people, we made our petitions to God. And now in our closing hymn and our blessing, we end with praise and a promise. Our promise is to be the people that God needs us to be in this world. People who have been blessed to be a blessing. People who persist in seeking love, hope, peace, and joy in our world. And as we do, may the love of God surround you, the example of Jesus inspire you, and the persistence of the Spirit guide you forward, now and always. Amen. <laughs>